electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. I'm right here. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour from right here at Post 9, the real moment of truth for tech as Apple and Amazon report earnings in just a matter of hours. So how much is really riding on those numbers at a time some say the FANG acronym is dead? We'll debate and discuss that with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Jenny Harrington, Rob Seachin, Steve Weiss, John Najarian, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. I'll take you, show you the markets, 12 noon in the east. Trying to get a little bounce here, trying to keep it going. Dow's good for 157. S&P's good for a little more than three quarters of 1%. NASDAQ's positive as we await those critical earnings in overtime tonight. There's the Russell giving some back today. 287 is the yield on the 10-year note. But it is all about Apple. John Najarian, normally this stock has a nice run into the number. Now, granted, it's up today, but it hasn't really been the case lately. And we've been worried about it to, to, to some respects. You own the stock. You own the options. What are your own expectations? Um, I, I think Microsoft uh, told us a lot, Scott, as far as, you know, cloud. Uh, Apple's version of cloud, of course, is different. It's individual. It's not big corporate cloud as much as uh, Amazon Web Services will be, as Azure was, as you reported last night and again today. Um, I I think overall, Scott, uh, Microsoft, uh, the the read-through there was that there is big demand for that cloud. I think Apple will continue to have big demand for wearables, um, for the uh, services, um, health. I I think this will be a very good quarter, and I think, uh, you know, stable numbers are good for the market here. I don't know that we're going to get any kind of blow-off numbers because I, I just don't really see that in the cards. But as Meta showed you, you don't really need blow-off numbers after stocks have been hit pretty good. And Apple, even though it's, like you say, had a nice little bounce, it's still a bit of a ways away from that, what, 183 high that we hit yeah. when it topped $3 trillion briefly, Scott. I think it's still uh, significantly below that number. Needed to hold that. I mean, that 150 level, Steve Weiss, is the one we've been watching so closely. Now it's gotten itself back to, to 160. John mentioned services, which are a massive business in, in its own right. The question is, what's happening with gross growth in the services sector? Um, it's slowing, we know, but by how much? What's happening in China with supply chain, getting chips and the other things that go into iPhones and all of those other products? We'll find out from Tim Cook, but there's a lot riding on this. And I know there was a lot riding, to John's point, on, on, on Microsoft and, in some respects, Facebook, too. Uh, but this is the big daddy. they got to deliver. Yeah, look, I, I think that expectations, as with Facebook, uh, despite the relative declines in the stock, are still kind of low. And that uh, they have to have a big miss to really offset the stock. Uh, And I don't see that happening. 
Um, I don't see much in terms of guidance either, which you're not great at giving and, and do it for a very limited time frame but, um, when they do give it. But look, I mean, this is really ground zero. It's ground zero for the supply chain. Although if any company on this planet can twist arms to make sure they're first in line for semis, etc., it's Apple. But it's also ground zero for the consumer and inflation in terms of can the consumer still buy those phones, which are having limited innovation, the upgrade, your favorite word, Scott, or do they need to spend it on required living, uh, you know, what's required for living like food and gas, etc. I think they get through it. I still own puts on it. Uh, I was short calls, but they've traded down to basically nothing because they're expiring on, on Friday, tomorrow. So I'm out of those. But I'm a little concerned about it. I'm a little concerned about it going forward because I see the consumer being bifurcated and a large part of their base are consumers that can't and that don't have that inelastic spending ability. So look, I don't think the market falls apart if it trades to 150 or even below any more than it's done recently. But if it has a blowout number, well, then I think that's an excuse for a rally. Well, I mean, look, yeah. um, 150 is key. Let's be honest, Weiss. The market is not going to be in a good spot I, I don't, I just if, don't Apple, think so. if Apple breaks below 150. I, look, we had Google, which came out, and they didn't do well. Stock traded down significantly. The first downtick of Microsoft was lower. Now it required. No, no, but Google's not Apple. It, it, it's not far Google's away. Google's not Apple. I just don't think Google's it's that far Apple. away. I, I disagree. I, I'm not agreeing. I'm not agreeing with that. I think the market can do fine without Apple. As we've seen many times on the show in the past years, can the market Is, do okay with the, Apple? Without the, Apple market, or if Apple misses. Has, has the market been as fragile in those past years as it is right now, Steve? Has the NASDAQ been under the kind of pressure that it is right now in those recent past years, Steve? The answer is no. No, but has the market reflected as much as the negative sentiment as it has in the past few years? No. So you've already had that stage set where it's not going to be, you know, a punch to the face if they miss. I'd say half the shareholders mm. expect it. I own the puts if I didn't think it. So, Scott, we're going to have to wait to see how it turns out. But as usual, I expect to be right. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, the, your track record isn't as good as you remember it to be. Rob Seachin, I'm going to move uh, over to it's you. It's better, thank uh, you. Much better. Yeah. Seach. No. Much uh, better. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, well, you walked into that, Weiss. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Uh, Rob Seachin, um, yep. you own Apple. It's a large position for you. It's about 10% yeah. of your portfolio. So for somebody who uh, has a lot riding on it, what do you think? You know, it's 10% of one of our portfolios. We always talk about this stuff, Scott, our quality growth portfolio. And I think we're going to be watching for growth in the services business segment, advertising, Apple TV, et cetera. And analysts expect services revenue to grow at double the pace of the company's overall revenue in the current fiscal year. So uh, it has a major impact on Apple's profits because of sales and advertising. Um, other services uh, generate dramatically larger margins than the company's product uh, revenue. I mean, it's a high quality company, but I think that's really what you have to watch. And obviously, I think it's going to be very impactful. It's such a large weighting in, uh, of the index that I, I kind of agree with you that it's really important to, uh, to the market, right? So. 
You can continue. I was just interjecting. Obviously, you agree with the point that I made because, sorry, Weiss, it is the right <laughs> one. It's so important. It's the biggest company hey, in the you market. Know what? You have a fragile. You have a fragile. I'm doubling down on my view right now. My contraindicators are in place. Seachem, you. So I'm doubling down on my view. <laughs> Seach, continue though. Continue uh, on that note. Um, you know, we always say that Apple is important because it's the biggest. But I just mm -hmm. feel like where we are now, with so many of those stocks, particularly, particularly mega cap tech, right? They've been coming for the so-called generals, okay? You can't have Apple go down on the field. You can't have that happen. Not in this environment, Rob. Well, listen, it's obviously important. Just look what happened to Microsoft and look, look at the impact, right? And Microsoft's one of the other larger constituents of the indices. So I do think that if you have some really bad forward-looking uh, data on, they set the table in a negative way, that's, gonna be, that's definitely going to be tough for markets to digest. Um, now, it doesn't mean that they can't digest them, but you have a stock that's only down 10 plus percent year to date, I think, and uh, it's given up a lot in the last uh, in the last month. But it starts to break down. I think that has a major impact on investor investor psyche. What, what I'm encouraged by, though, is some of the broken names, a name like Meta, let's say, that hasn't worked as well. And there's a pivot at the margin in, in Meta. I think what ends up happening is that can be also very supportive. So I think it's more than just Apple, obviously. There's other big tech names that matter. Although to obviously. say this isn't important is, is, is obviously to say this isn't important is just it's silly in my mind. Okay. Uh, Jenny Harrington, uh, you don't own it. I'm not saying it's not important. No, I know, Weiss, you've been hating say, it all the way up. And I didn't say you've been you hating were it all the way up. I, I know where you're coming from, Weiss. I, I hear you. I, I hear you. You, be, you, you have. You, you, you own Scott. it. You, you, you criticize it. You've been hating it all the way up. Uh, Jenny, you don't own it. Mm -hmm. But I saw you raising your hand as if you wanted to interject something. I do. I actually, and this is... I'm trying to figure out if this is for sport or, or real, but I want to back Weiss up here. So here's how I'm thinking about it. How I'm thinking mm -hmm. about it is, let's say it does trade down $10 and it does break that 150 number. That's a 6% move. Right now it makes up about 6% of the S&P 500. So what would that take out of the market? That would take about 36 basis points out of the market. Can the market, even though as you say correctly, Scott, we're in a fragile state, can the market digest that? Yeah. I think it can. And I think what we've seen already is we've already seen disappointment from the FANG overall. Apple's down 14%. The worst is um, Netflix, which is down 70%. So there's already been a reset in expectations for all of these companies. So I'm actually more in Steve's camp on this, which is it can disappoint and we can be okay. And this goes back to Scott, to what you and I were talking about last week, where you said, can earnings save us? And I think we both agreed, yes, earnings can save us, but what does that mean? If earnings save us, maybe it means that earnings come in better than people expect, and we're not down 20% on the S&P 500. Maybe we kind of hover in this down 10 to 12% range. So I think that expectations have already been reset lower, and I think if Apple does disappoint, and if the shares do trade down, I think that we can handle that okay. So 
you know, Team Weiss on this one. There you go, Steve. I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think there's been a reset on, on expectations for Apple. I don't think so well, in any regard. Well, it's down 15% here today. But, but that it's, doesn't mean anything. I mean, that doesn't mean that expectations okay. on the earnings have been, have been reset, right? The bar's always so high but for the biggest me, company on, on, on planet Earth in the, in the market, well, right? I mean, what kind of expectations have been reset? Let's look at it a little bit different way, anything, Okay. Okay, let's look at it this way, which is one of the things that I've thought about as I look at Apple, down only 14% compared to the rest of its FANG peers, is that my argument against owning it all of last year was that earnings growth expectations have been very modest. And if you look going forward, 2023, I think, is supposed to grow in the 6% range, 2024, a little bit more than that. But relative to the rest of the FANG names, nobody's been expecting huge earnings growth anyway. And so what you've heard me say over the past year is, I'm looking to invest in companies with achievable earnings growth targets. And Apple's have been achievable and modest, particularly compared to their peers. So yes, they're trading at a premium multiple to several others, like Facebook, or sorry, Meta, which we'll get into later. So yes, Apple's trading at 25 times, which is still a premium to the market and to, its, and to several other high-tech stocks. But maybe that's because for the past year, everybody's realized that their earnings growth expectations are not stratospheric. 6% is achievable. 6% is rational. And so with that, they're saying like, look, they can actually deliver what they're saying. Maybe, maybe they do disappoint a little bit. Maybe the shares trade down. Maybe they don't. But if they do, I think the market can handle it. I think we as investors have not anticipated stratospheric expectations from them and therefore won't be terribly disappointed. All right. I mean, look, Amazon reports, too. It's not like Apple is the only mm -hmm. thing that matters, but in the environment that we're in, it becomes critically important simply because of the size of the company, the market cap, the number of investors that are in the name, right? Everybody owns it. Individuals, institutions, you, you go down the list, it's one of the most heavily owned stocks. So there's a lot riding on it for everybody. But Amazon is reporting uh, as well, and that's going to be a, a, an interesting one to keep an eye on, too. What are your expectations there, Weiss? Well, first of all, it, to, let's drill a little deeper, because what's really important is a commentary. So if Apple comes out and says, which they won't, that consumers are stretched, they can't afford the phones, you know, then... Then the market goes down and it'll look like Apple's doing, but it's really the commentary. On the other hand, if Apple says we missed because the supply chain is so tight and it trades down, breaks the 150 because of that, I just don't think you see the impact in the market. Now, in terms of Amazon, Amazon plays into exactly that narrative. If they talk about the consumer being under pressure and keep in mind, this is different from Microsoft. Microsoft Asia was doing fine. Growth still there. So they have a B2B business in addition to a B2C business, whereas Apple and Amazon, Amazon is both, but we're going to focus on the consumer business in terms of the commentary. We know cloud's fine. So I don't see either upsetting the market if they miss unless they blame the consumer, they see a slowing economy, and that's the reason that it happens. So, look, I'm not hedged on Amazon because hedging, frankly, was just way too expensive, made no sense. It's a long-term hold as is Apple. So I'm just riding it. I think if it's not okay this quarter, it will be maybe next year, maybe in six months, maybe in three quarters. Who knows? And by the way, John, Judge, give Jenny more yeah. time today. She kind of half <laughs> agreed with you, Weiss. I, you know, uh, who knows? I give it 80%. 80% agreed. Okay. 
Thank John, you, you own Amazon too. I do, Scott. And they've got, what, 41 to 43 percent of the cloud market. Um, but that's only 15 percent of the total rev that Amazon generates. So this behemoth um, is dependent on cloud the way Microsoft is, but it's not wholly dependent on that cloud or AWS in their case. Um, I think they're going to have a great quarter for that. Um, I, I believe that, you know, it'll still be a three-way race between Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. Um, so I think the, the, the real issue here is the consumer spend over at Amazon. How strong is that still? I think incredibly strong, Scott. So I'm more than willing to buy it at this. I think it's a double bottom um, that it just recently put in. And I think it trades back up through 3,100 on this move. So I'm comfortable holding this one. I think it is important to the economy. And you can't go to as many airports as I go to, Scott, without seeing all these prime air planes. You know, they're big old whatever they are. I don't even know if it's 737s or Airbuses, but they're all over the runway. So that CapEx, the spending on building out that infrastructure, could at any given quarter um, show up and all of a sudden hit the stock. And if it does, I buy it on that dip. But otherwise, I think the runway is pretty clear for the upside. And yes, the pun is intended, Scott. Yeah, I was going to say, pardon the pun. Um, let's talk about Meta. Take a look at shares, because it was a big jump after earnings uh, came out. Obviously, there was some relief on the daily active user number, which came in ahead of expectations after a miss uh, last quarter. You still did have the slowest revenue growth since that company went public, but there's a near 15% gain in the stock. You do have a number of price target cuts today, too. Um, I've got like at least 10 in front of me, and there's some negative commentary coming out from some of the analysts uh, as well who cover this. Uh, stock. Stephanie Link owns it, as you know. She's the chief investment uh, strategist uh, at Hightower, and she joins us now. So, Steph, what's your takeaway here? Was it a giant sigh of relief for you? Yeah, it was a sigh of relief, but there were a couple of nuggets in the quarter that made me feel better. First and foremost, they beat earnings. Second, revenues were in line with their guidance. Their guidance was 3 to, uh, to 11% growth. They came in at 7%. But the daily active users, as you mentioned, were, were, was a positive. They were up 4% year over year. And monthly active users grow, grew 3% year over year. So now you have daily active users and monthly active users in the 2 to 3 billion range. And that's exactly what their 10 million plus advertisers are looking for. They want the engagement. They want these numbers because that helps their return on investment. So it really does feed into the advertising play. I thought Reels, they started to make some progress. They're still so much they have to do, but they makes up the reels makes up over 20% of time spent on Instagram, and that was better than expected. And as I mentioned, they have more work to do, and that's why I think this is a second half of the year story. But I was encouraged. Finally, guide was fine, revenues are fine, expenses were better, and then they bought back in the last two quarters about 30 billion dollars of stock. They've got 50 billion in total authorization, so I think they're going to continue to buy, and they'll probably increase the buyback over time. So, so I have I'll, a stock that's trading at 13 times earnings and seven and eight times EBITDA. So I still think it's, the stock is really attractive for the long term. I want to read you some of the commentary from Needham's Laura Martin uh, because it, it's, it's interesting and it, it questions what the road ahead for Meta Facebook is going to look like as she questions whether there is an existential risk. Those are the words 
that she uses. And she says, and I quote, we worry that Facebook's enormous spending to create the metaverse by 2030 implies that it believes it has existential risks. We worry that the growing disparity between rev revenue and cost growth is because Facebook believes it must fund a drastic pivot to survive. I mean, those are some serious words, Steph, right? That's not painting as rosy a picture as, as you are as you look past the, this earnings report. Fundstrat's Mark Newton goes a step further and suggests Facebook does not look attractive to buy dips technically, despite the post-market bounce attempt and the recent downdraw <laughs> has proven exceptionally severe. So how do you counter that? As I said, a, a number of analysts in the community have cut their price targets down, at least 10 that, that are in front of me here. Yeah, well, I don't think this chart looks good either, and I'm no technician, but I think turnarounds take time, and I'm just, I'm going to be happy if the stock just stabilizes, although if it does pull back, I will actually buy more, because I do believe they are handling the expense side of things. They just lowered uh, a CapEx for, OPEX, excuse me, for the full year, and they have that lever, which they can do, right? So they can actually make the earnings, and they can fund their traditional businesses, fix this reels, or actually monetize this reels. They don't even have to fix it, but they're making progress. And if they do that, I think they will be making more on the top line. So to me, that's the one piece. If they want to fund Meta, they can fund Meta. We don't know. That's a long ways away. I'm not owning, I'm not owning the metaverse. I'm not owning Meta for the metaverse, right? So I'm owning it for the key businesses here. And I do think they're onto something with reels. And so I feel like there's a lot of the bad news is this is a free cash flow yield of 11%. I mean, to me, the valuation is just so tempting. Uh, given that this is a company that has a very proven track record, too. Got to wonder about the economy, too. Uh, ad spending, small business, all, all that stuff factors into the, uh, the soup to figure out uh, how good it's going to taste in the quarters ahead. Steph, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's Stephanie Link joining us there to talk about Thanks, some meta. Scott. Shares of Teladoc are tanking on the back of its earnings, losing, losing almost half their value today. One of the investment committee members jumping into that stock. Ooh, that's a tasty story. We are going to tell you who it is, and we're going to debate it. Plus, Kathy Woods are hitting a new low today on Teladoc's tumble. It's like the third largest position she has in the innovation fund. So what do you do with high valuation names from here? How much more pain is ahead? We're back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Welcome back to Halftime. Let's get to Julia Borston. She has a news alert on Snap. Julia, what can you tell us? Well, Snap's hosting its annual partner summit right now and announcing that it has 600 million monthly active users, up from 500 million last May, 20% growth that dwarfs Facebook 3% growth in monthly active users in the past year. Now, Snap typically focused on its daily active users. Those were 332 million in the first quarter. It added 13 million in the quarter. But it is notable that 55% of Snap's monthly users are on the app every single day. That is less than Facebook, which has two-thirds of monthly users on the app daily. But big picture here, Scott, Snap is a much bigger reach than its daily numbers indicate. We will be getting more announcements from Snap today, and I will be talking to CEO Evan Spiegel exclusively tomorrow on Tech Check. Back to you. All right, good stuff. Look forward to that interview. Uh, Julia, thanks so much. You see the stock getting a, a modest bounce off of those numbers. It's up one and three quarters percent. Turn off my phone. Uh, Kathy Wood, we got to talk about her. Take a look at shares of Teladoc, by the way, because that's a huge story. Absolutely getting smashed up today after earnings. We mentioned Kathy Wood because it's the third largest stock in the ARK Innovation Fund, and she's been buying a lot lately. And I was very surprised to find out that John Najarian is buying lately, too. In fact, today, you bought Teladoc shares. Today. And you're long the calls. What do you see, Doc, in this you pullback? Bet. Well, Scott, um, came public in 2015, and nobody really paid as much attention to it until, uh, of course, when the pandemic hit and people couldn't go in to see their doctors. So it came public at 19. That was the IPO price. First trade was basically where it hit this morning, 29 bucks. Um, so after that 29 bucks to $250 that it hit in 2020, all the way back down to here, I had to take a little nibble, Scott. Didn't throw the whole portfolio at it, but I did buy the shares uh, in the low 29s. I did buy the 30-40 call spread as well in several different expirations, Scott. And I did because, like I say, I think people will still appreciate uh, the fact uh, that Teladoc is one of those uh, services that is not just a pandemic service. Yeah, it hit 250 because of that pandemic when nobody could go in to see their doc. But I still think that they've got a real runway in front of them as far as people using that service right now. So uh, JP Morgan cut the target from 125 to 50. I'll be more than happy with 40, quite frankly, uh, because that's where, like I say, I've topped out my upside from 30 to 40. And I'm comfortable owning it in this range, Scott. Yeah. So Weiss, what do, what do we take away here for, for ARC? I mean, that was the biggest takeaway for me yesterday in overtime when this news crossed the tape. It's like, Kathy Wood's been buying it lately, you know, and she makes the case and, and she's made it on this show and, and other shows about the long term perspective. She's not looking for tomorrow and she's not looking from five weeks or five months from now. It's a five year game, generally speaking. But there are a lot of people who continue to put money into the ARC funds, Steve. And this was a huge blow up. So what does it say about the strategy of owning these kinds of companies now? Right. Well, look, uh, you know, Kathy's had a lot of success up until this point, and she has a discipline and she has no choice. She's locked into that discipline and has to stay with it. Um, you don't need to buy more. But I also think you, you have don't to, need to keep loading up on. No, more. you don't. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I agree with that. And let's look at Teldoc specifically. Uh, I think it probably is still a short from here. You know, I don't know if John goes to the doctor at all and does telehealth, but it's a complete commodity. The company's losing money. They're losing money next year. They're losing money this year. What's the appropriate valuation? If you do a teledoc visit, it's not teledoc. It could be the system that's created their own, a hospital system, a big practice group. So it's completely commoditized. So I wouldn't buy any more. So I think that there's even- a flaw in, in the research and the research that's going on there, frankly, because that's I, apparent I to everybody. Now, I don't even know if it's um, if, if the most egregious thing, if you want to use that word, is that it's a commoditized business, as you say. I don't know, Jenny, how many of these stories we have to have before we finally realize that anything that had massive demand specifically because of the pandemic is not ever arguably going to have that level of demand out of the pandemic. Right. If you couldn't go to the doctor's office during the pandemic, you were happy to use Teladoc. One of the things that you're going to want to do outside of the pandemic is actually go see your doctor, not see the doctor over a video screen. So I don't understand why this story is so hard to get. You could see it from Peloton. Was that story hard to get? Netflix. Was that story hard to get? What's the next one? The key word you're using here is story. And we need to think about the fact that a Peloton, a Teladoc, they're trading on the story. Right? They're not trading on the valuation. And so you're right. Let's say that Teladoc is innovative and that some part of people will always use Teladoc or at least have part of their medical, I don't know, rep- repertoire of doctors' appointments in the future through Teladocs. But they are going to want to see their doctor. So we know that going forward, we're probably going to be less digital than we were in the worst of the pandemic. But again, there's the story and there's the valuation. And what we continue to see over and over right now is that the stories are not good enough to support the share price. We need the valuations to kick in. So there's a big difference. And Steve actually used a word discipline. And that's another word that I'd pick on, which is what is the discipline, right? Is the discipline just to increase positions or is the discipline to say, hey, we invest in innovation, but we do that at the right price for companies that are making money. So you can look at a Zoom, which is going to earn about $4 a share and is trading right now at about $100. That's a 25 times multiple. That has real earnings. Like where is the difference there between a Teladoc that's just a story with no earnings and a Zoom where there's earnings and a real valuation. And I think that that we need to remember this year, stories are out, valuations are in. um, And the stories, yeah, they were, as you said, Scott, they're not going to get better than what they were. They might have a long runway, but they're never going to be as glossy and as perfect as they have been. Well, look, I mean, the, 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 the question is, is how much more do these valuations of companies like this need to come in, right? They, they, they correct so severely, and then you, you say, okay, it's right. come down a lot. Maybe it's time to buy the market, and then the earnings and the fundamentals maybe. come out, and then it's like, no, maybe they need to correct even more. And that's the great unknown, as Jenny so aptly says. I mean, what price are you willing to pay? And the market's trying to figure that out. When we come back, John has unusual activity trades. Of course, we'll do those. Looking ahead to this Saturday, April 30th, only on CNBC.com, watch Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting live. It all starts 9.45 a.m. Eastern. That is only on CNBC.com. We're back on the half after this.
Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started. I'm Seema Modi, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. President Biden is asking Congress for an additional $33 billion to help Ukraine since last month's $14 billion package has almost entirely been spent. $20 billion of it will be for military assistance. The cost of this fight uh, is not cheap, but caving to aggression is going to be more costly if we allow it to happen. It's critical this funding gets approved and approved as quickly as possible. The FDA wants to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. It says the proposed rules would discourage children from experimenting and increases the chances that adult smokers will quit. And even though Oklahoma's governor signed a bill earlier this month prohibiting almost all abortions, the state's legislature has just passed another ban. It's based on the Texas law that makes abortions illegal after six weeks of pregnancy, and it will go into effect as soon as the governor signs it. The first bill can't be enforced until later this year. Tonight on the news, 7 p.m., lifting the veil on the financial portfolios of federal judges. That's tonight. Scott, back to you. Seema, thank you, Seema Modi. We are counting down to the CNBC stock draft, which starts today at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Tyler Matheson joins us now. Man, you guys got a great group of pickers. I know tonight is the NFL draft. I know, Scott, you and your son will be watching. I'm going to a Giants draft party. They need a lot of help. But we have got the main event. That's our 2022 stock draft and a great lineup of competitors this year. It's going to be very exciting. We've got 10 teams, new faces. The actor Ryan Reynolds will join us. The basketball Hall of Famer David, the Admiral David Robinson will join us. Why did I stumble on that? He's a University uh, Naval Academy guy. The St. Peter's Peacocks, who made such a run in the NCAA tournament. Their investment club will be here. We got Familiones. We got O'Leary. We got Link. We got Seymour. A real housewife of Atlanta. The former Macy's CEO, Terry Lundgren. The man who looks better than any CEO deserves to look in America. Delano Sapporo will be here. And 
wait for it, a TikTok influencer. We've got 60 different assets up for grabs. We've got tech names, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, the ARK Innovation ETF. We got Robinhood, we got Roblox. Ah, oh, that's, they're on the list. ExxonMobil, FedEx, Ford, so many others. Last year, Scott, the winner was Andre Iguodala of the uh, Warriors. He rode Tesla to victory in the stock draft. But the real winner, and he will be here again this year, is our very own Jim Cramer, because if you added his stock picks, his were actually the best. He'll give his choices as well. I know you've got some, uh, some uh, traders who want to weigh in here, too. Hope you'll watch, Scott. Yeah. Indeed, Ty, thanks. We'll see that in just a bit. And in the spirit of the stock draft, of course, we want to go around to our traders and get their number one picks as well. And there are some surprising ones, to be honest. Jenny, starting with you. Uh, your number one pick is? Is Facebook, Meta. And so before, Scott, when you said, hey, here are all the downgrades on price targets, the worst of those price targets still has a 12% upside. And the average of those price targets, after being downgraded, right, is still about 30%. You also need to remember the stock trades at 13 times earnings and is expected to grow revenues in the high double, in the high um, teens, low 20s range in the future. So I think there's a lot of upside potential in, in Meta. Okay, shares are up about 17% now. There's some, still like 40% off the, off the highs. But that's part of the point with the stock draft, right? You're gonna, you're gonna mm -hmm. try, you really need to buy something low and hope that it pays off big time. Uh, John Nigerian, speaking of a stock mm -hmm. that's gotten splattered, it's PayPal mm -hmm. and it's yours. Yeah, I decided this one, Scott, um, because uh, I still think they have a bright future. Obviously, Venmo, Cash App is over there with Block, but Venmo is uh, one of theirs. And I think that that continues to work, Scott. So that and perhaps a little bounce out of cryptos, PayPal in the 80s, I think is a great opportunity. I love the fact that these stocks are literally um, rising as you guys are mentioning that you, you like them. Seachin. <laughs> Make your pick and don't give me, I see you have two names on your list. Don't give me two. This is a draft. You pick one. That's how we, that's how we play here. I totally get it. I was Matching up in the speech. air between Microsoft and NVIDIA. I, you know, Jenny was trying to convince me to go with Microsoft, which is our largest holding. I want to win this thing. I'm going with NVIDIA. Okay. So just because of the duration of this, I think Microsoft probably outperforms over the short run, but NVIDIA to the Super Bowl. I think that's the winner. Chips are the know-how in everything that's driving this new economy. So, uh, and it's well, well off its highs. So I think that, that's where you want to be. All right, a few pennies getting added there too. Uh, Steve Weiss looking to a financial stock, and it is? Goldman Sachs. So uh, the reason I went to Goldman is that I, I thought it had probably had the least amount of beta and that you're going to see the curve start to steepen again. And you're going to see the calendar, which has been dead uh, you know, <laughs> since the beginning of the year, open up. And those are, that's high margin business. Plus, they've got a lot of growth, growth initiatives. And I believe in David Solomon and his stewardship of the company. So I actually think it's a growth vehicle and that'll do quite well. I don't know that it'll be the top performer, but I think on a, on a risk reward basis, it's very attractive. Okay, I can't wait for the stock draft. Don't miss it. It starts at two o'clock Eastern time, as you heard Tyler say, on Power Lunch. Up next, unusual activity, we'll be right back.
unusual time, well, almost. Look at the market. Picking up a bit of steam here. Dow's up better than 500 points right now, 515, 1.5%. S&P highs the day up 85, and there's the NASDAQ uh, with a very nice move there, up uh, nearly 300 points in its own right. Of course, you had those meta results. You couple that with Microsoft. You have a nice turnaround in Alphabet and everything then on the line tonight with Apple and Amazon. So real focus there. Again, almost 300-point gain now for the NASDAQ. Unusual activity, Doc. What do you see as we do have this nice move in the market here about 45 minutes into the show? Yeah, I love that, Scott. Bang! Um, What I've got is a, a couple energy plays. I'll start off with MPC. MPC, they're buying the May 95 calls. Now, the shares were 87.60 when they started buying those. So I'm buying an at-the-money, Scott, with the hopes of selling higher strikes as it rallies. I'm not buying the 95 calls. Just want to be clear there with MPC. Second one, Las Vegas strip revenue is up 27%. So I'm not that surprised to see LVS Las Vegas Sands, um, aggressive call buying. The stock was basically trading, what, 34.20? And they're buying the uh, September 37 calls. Big time buying those calls. Uh, I like that one as well, so I bought an at the money. And again, I'll let this one run. Time decay is not as big an issue here. Lastly, BTU or Peabody Energy, Scott. Um, BTU was 29.30. They were buying 15,000. That's a million and a half share equivalent. 15,000 because every option's for 100 shares. Uh, June 25 calls. So $4 out of the money. Again, buying at the monies with the hopes of selling higher as the market rallies, uh, as I think it will, especially if Germany does end up uh, cutting out oil and gas purchases from Russia. Right. I got you. Okay. Thanks, Doc. Qualcomm surging on the back of its own earnings beat. Now rival Intel is on deck after the bell today. We're going to get ready for that and get you ready for that big report. There you go. Uh, And both stocks are on the move. Nice gain for Qualcomm, up nearly 8%, that is. And there's Intel with a nice run, too, ahead of its own numbers. Back after this. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Real debate and actionable advice from the investment committee, plus unusual activity and more. Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. All right, the investment committee is making some moves that we need to tell you about as well today. Rob Seachin, you have a couple of new buys. Talk to me about Garmin and Ryder, why you chose to buy these stocks. Yeah, we, we've added these over the last uh, last little bit. There are mo- two most recent, recent purchases. Ryder, industrial-focused company, supply chain, logistics, and transportation. Uh, heavily domestic tilt. 90% of their revenues come from the U.S. Attractive valuation at a seven times forward PE, 7% free cash flow yield, and, uh, roughly 4% dividend. And they, they really beat on 427 on both the top and bottom line. Obviously, mm-hmm. some cyclical exposure here that you have to watch uh, related to uh, risk of the economic activity and supply chain bottlenecks. But we think right. it's reflected in the current price. Okay. And then, um, yeah, be quick on the other, please. Go ahead. Yeah. Then we added Garmin, discretionary name, premium navigation. Uh, they've had solid performance across all their, their segments and double digit revenue growth. So we like it a lot. All right. No, I appreciate it because I wanted to get to Intel uh, with Jenny as we look ahead with the stock that's moving up into the number. 
You own it, Jenny. And um, I mean, you've had to defend it on so many different occasions on this show. How about going into earnings tonight? I think they should be okay. The street's expecting 81 cents a share. And for each of the past five quarters, they've beat by a minimum of 20%. So we think earnings could come in about a about dollar, maybe a little bit less, but they should beat. Also, this is one again where expectations are just for nothing. So it should be easy to beat. No one's paying attention to the fact that there haven't been product delays and that the actual core products are increasingly competitive and doing quite well. You know, I would only come back and say that I don't know about that thing about the expectations. I feel like they're higher, arguably, than they've been in a long really? time. Because Gelsinger continues to talk a big game, right? The CEO. Yeah. He keeps talking about this turnaround that is going to happen. And frankly, if you look at the performance of the stock, it's done better, even though it's negative in, in every metric in front of me, whether it's one month, three, six, year to date or mm -hmm. a year. It's down by much less than the others in the space are. So I just wonder if that's because expectations actually are creeping higher, that Gelsinger is going to figure it out. Maybe. And they're going to get it done. And the street's done, done wanting to hear all of the, the excuses, right? He's talking a big game. Now he, got, he has to start deliver, delivering. But here, here's another angle on that, which is that it's trading at about 12 times earnings, which is about one-third of the um, of the multiples that Nvidia and AMD are trading at, so I don't. I think you're right. I think expectations are improving and people are starting to give it a chance, but it's still just so undervalued and so um, kind of negatively viewed compared to its peers. Even though those returns for for all of your return periods are you know are better, um, yeah. we'll see, right? But I I, I bet you they ex I bet you they surprise to the upside a little bit. All right. We, uh, we're going to look out for it. Again, uh, it's going to all break in overtime tonight, <laughs> along with some of those other big names that we said, too. Final trades are next. It's all going down in the OT tonight, three hours from now. Apple, Amazon, Intel, all those earnings, they're breaking. The stocks are going to move. You know that. We will have all of that for you. Dan Ives is going to join me on set. Alex Kantrowitz will be with us. Great team of experts. Joe Terranova is with us. Shannon Sakosha. So the all-stars are around uh, as we see those numbers hit the tape and certainly what the stocks do. Another big interview coming up in just a few moments. Kathy Wood, ARK's Kathy Wood, is going to join the exchange to discuss Teladoc, what's happening there. Again, it's one of her largest holdings uh, along with Tesla, uh, as you know. So do not go anywhere. Let's do final trades, guys. We don't have that much time. Uh, and we're looking so much forward to hearing from Kathy in just a few. But Jenny, kick us off, please. Sure. Although it's fun, I don't really trust today's rally. So I'm going hiding out and, um, and going with SL Green, a 5.2% yield and trading at 10 times earnings. Okay. Who has Apple? Whoever does go. Uh, growth in the services business is what we think. We think we'll see it. Apple. Uh, for a minute there, I thought it was going to be Weiss. <laughs> Steve, go. <laughs> <laughs> Micron, under 70, you got to buy it. <laughs> that, would have, that would have been typical Weiss, right, if he makes Apple his final trade. Doc, you wrap it up. <laughs> Vodafone, Scott. Vodafone, uh, $16 stock. Okay. They're buying the May 70s. 17s, I bought it. All right, I'll 17s. see you in the OT. Uh, here's the exchange again. Kathy Wood coming up in moments. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. 
can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.